0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of 49 plus where I inch closer to my 50th birthday blah 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 so I'm actually recording this just a short while after the last episode and I'm walking this time beautiful morning it's now five to nine on a Sunday morning so the next part of this back and forth is me now walking back up to the old house uh, to get minty that's the mint colored Fiat 500 bring that down so that then everyone can go up there in that car, I'll take Ziggy in the black car, uh, black dog in the black car and um, we'll be up to the old flat for a bit of the morning as we sort things out, try to prepare things for when the van comes. So what I'm going to try and do this bit, at least this segment of this podcast, I don't think the whole podcast, uh, will be me walking up the way some of you will have heard me walking before, so it's, I think it's the most direct walking route. In fact, you can do it in the car as well. But, um, so we're the end of the road, straight across, over a little bridge, up out of the road, round the corner, past some shops, back up the road and should be at Old House. And I'm guessing about 20 minutes. If I have a reasonable walking pace, I think it's a 20 minute walk, maximum 22 minutes. We get to find out live on 49 Plus. Only here, folks. Nowhere else you can get this kind of drama. Um, as I watch carefully, as I cross a very busy road, this is a, the main road near the end of our road. So again there, there's a big sign saying, you know, 30 miles an hour, tells people their speed. That would mean it with 42. A lot of them go quite fast along there. So I have to be always be careful walking along there. So we are now, we left at 8.55, we're two minutes in. Let's see how long the walk actually is to the house. So I'm going to be a 22 minute podcast episode, or 22 minute um, segment. So I'm going to go purely you know, with random, semi-randomness. I'm looking up to my left, and I'm seeing, um, what's that called, Burger Alarm. Burger Alarm casing. now if you look around, when you're near houses, and you see different companies that make them, one that I know is Yale, but the one that always catches my attention is one that's ADT. So I don't know what ADT stands for in that context, some of you may tell me, um, but it makes me think of something called Autism Development, How's it called? Autism Development Theory, which at the time of this recording, you will not have heard of, because it's a new theory, oh, there's a bird flaps out at me. It's a new theory of autism, or a new theory of how autism might develop, or autistic tendencies, autistic—I'm going to use the word traits, but I'm a bit hesitant of that because the notion of psychological traits carries with it an idea of um, inbornness. And if I attempt to try to get my head around what autism development theory is trying to say, um, I, I, I may well get it wrong. As we walk past a very nice-looking. Uh, ivy covered house, actually, it's not ivy covered. I think it's probably using my expert opinion knowledge of, uh, of uh, plants. I think it's a, village, a Virginia creeper, which is lovely and green. It's the whole house is covered with it. Um, which, come a certain time of year, would turn a lovely red. So, one of these days, you might hear me walking past there and going, That's a beautiful red Virginia creeper. Completely having forgotten that I've told you about it before. Um, so autism development theory, the reason I wouldn't have heard about it because as it stands I don't think there's anything even published on it I know there's been something presented on it at one or two small conferences and the reason I would know about it is because the person who is developing this theory, which if there's anything to it as I've said to her a few times, if there really is something to this Then it could be quite an impactful um, contribution to our understanding of autism and how we might then uh, work with people who are autistic. And of course, autism can cover a whole range of things, so, depending on how familiar you are with the whole understanding of autism, there's something called the I'm not quite sure, is Autistic Spectrum Disorder? Sorry, Autistic, yeah, ASD. The Autistic Spectrum Disorder. So often when people are diagnosed with autism, they'll often say they're on the spectrum, which can range from mild uh, symptoms, as it were, mild aspects, to more severe or major aspects. So historically, some people who might now be described as being on the autistic spectrum, uh, may have historically been diagnosed with Asperger's syndrome, or Asperger's. Asperger's or Asperger's. Um, I'd go with more Asperger's personally. I think the guy's Leo Asperger, who, back in the day, when I'd identified these elements, which, again, felt as though they were, had indications of autism. And again, this is why I'm, I'm less familiar with the detail. And the reason why I should be more familiar Is because the person I'm alluding to, who I've not yet named, I will now, her name is Ruth. Give her a full name check. Ruth Howard, who is a PhD student at Buckinghamshire New University, which I have alluded to or described at various times, because it's where I am currently employed as a senior lecturer in psychology, and I am on Ruth's supervision team for her PhD. I'm actually the third of three supervisors. You hear that? That was an Ocado, uh, Ocado supermarket driver setting a van, shouting loudly on the phone as a man silently jogs past. Um, oh, and to go past on my right there, not one Lexus, but two. Two Lexi plural. Um, Little references here for people who bother to listen. I wish to pick them up. Uh, At the very least, Rachel will get that one. Dan will get it if he ever listens to this. Others may be in due course. Um, So Ruth Howard, PhD student, and the third of her three supervisors. So her first is Dr. Piersworth who I hope will be familiar to some of you by the time you're listening to this. Uh, He is a psychologist, he's my friend and colleague at said Buckinghamshire New University and at the time of recording he is the co-course leader on the MSc Applied Positive Psychology, the MAP. This is the course that I'm most involved with at Buck's New University. And in fact, of course, I've been heavily involved with, with Piers over a number of years. And that course is something which was devised and developed by Piers. Uh, it was his baby, as it were. It was something he'd always wanted to put together. So alongside him, I was with him during the latter, end, latter stages of validation. And since then, we've worked on it together and developed it, and grown it in different ways. Um, and there are other people now heavily involved, which I'll say more about another time, because that's a bit of an aside. So there's Piers the first supervisor, the second supervisor, says am walking past the church, Um, St. Matthews. So you can hear, maybe, you probably can't hear. There's hymns being sung inside, there's people arriving, so obviously nine o'clock it would be then, two black cats sat on that car over there. Um, So people arriving for their Catholic mass, it's a Catholic church Um, then the second supervisor of Ruth is Colin Martin again if you decided to search for Professor Colin Martin or Colin Martin's psychology I'm guessing so Colin is really um, the person who is I'm going to use the word expert on autism in fact I think that's uh used very appropriately. He is the person on the team because of his expertise in autism. Piers and I are involved because of the link with positive psychology. So the original aim of the project was to um, explore ways in which ideas within positive psychology could be used to help people with autism and also help the families of people with autism. Even then I hesitate saying say with autism. I think the more preferred way of saying is who are autistic with autism sounds like you have you have something a condition could you know i think there's lots of uncertainty over what actually autism is there's a whole range of different kinds of things that come within a certain banner um, and so my attempt to so ruth howard is the phd student she's developed the theory there is a as i at the time of speaking there is a paper in draft form that she's looking to publish Uh, So maybe of course this next year we may hear more about how that develops when that theory gets out into the world published in some kind of peer review format which is the usual preferred space for publishing uh, and disseminating one's academic work. Um, So the whole PhD is looking ways in which positive psychology could be developed appropriately and applied for families, for people with autism. This is what Ruth has done. She's created a program she's called Flourishing Futures. So it's a positive psychology stroke, strengths-based type approach, which apparently is very, very rare when we're looking at autism. A lot of the approaches there tend to be, let's use the phrase, deficit-based, focus on what Autistic people can't do what the problems might be and finding ways to kind of address them. Whereas this is more focused on ways of exploring the strengths of such people, the families around them, what they can do to help support them, and so on. Um, Something we can all learn from. But as part of the whole PhD development, that's where Ruth has kind of really gone from strength to strength herself in terms of exploring existing theories of autism, I'd say existing theories of development, existing theories of, this is when I probably should have checked something before I started rabbiting on. But the only reason I am rabbiting on, interestingly, because I happened to see um, a burglar alarm with ADT on it. So ADT is, for us, autism development theory. I don't know what it stands for on the, uh, what's that up there? i look to my left again yeah well there they did see how about that right on cue um so i wasn't prepared for this so there are existing theories also that look at ways in which um, children develop particularly to do with um, heightened sensitivity to stimuli so there are certain theories that suggest that as we develop it may well be that some people develop in such a way where they have heightened sensitivity to a range of stimuli uh, and as I understand it, as we tip my head around what Ruth is proposing, is that that aspect, if that's true, then you might find that certain people who are particularly susceptible to being highly sensitive to could even be visual stimuli, um, other types of, I think probably, probably visual, but again, i have to check whether or not there's other types of stimuli. If they're particularly sensitive to it, then how they respond to that very early on in life we're talking about as infants, um, will have an impact upon how they interact with people. They may avoid certain situations, avoid certain being overstimulated. But if they are overstimulated, which maybe to other people is regular normal stimulation, uh, they may respond in a certain way. And if I understand the whole autism development theory, as Ruth is currently proposing, that can have lots of knock-on effects from infancy, early childhood, interactions with parents, peers and so on, which then may lead to the development of, or the symptomatic presentation of, if you get the wrong words here, autistic characteristics. So it's, you know, it's quite a challenging theory in terms of it's a, it's a certain way of viewing autism it might you know challenge people who use the word identify as autistic and may have a certain set of thoughts about what it is that causes it. Um, As I say this is where Colin and Ruth better places say here's what the theory existing says here what the theories are saying here's how this theory may add to it and develop on it. So ADT autism development theory so if you googled it now I don't think you'd find anything if you're lucky you might find a presentation Uh, that Ruth has been giving recently. If she hasn't already, she may be putting something on ResearchGate. So ResearchGate for any academics amongst you. Well, I I often joke ResearchGate is social network for losers. And by losers, I mean academics. So you can go on there, register. I think you might need to be an academic, maybe at a university, you have a university email address, something wanky like that. Um, I think there are other ways you can access it because There'll be plenty of people who'll be keen to read this research without being based at university. Um, but if you are a PhD student or a student with some other thought or academic, you can go on these things, put your own research up there, follow other people's, um, and it's a way of disseminating these ideas. You know, from pre publication, once you have publications, you can share them up there, share versions of them on there as well. Um, and I think it's a really nice setup that allows you to keep abreast of research. Uh, that you're interested in, follow people you are interested in their work, and we found students that have shared their work in that way already getting a good number of reads of their manuscripts or dissertations that would otherwise sit largely unread, unless you eventually get into a journal, which is a process in itself and we encourage, um, but it's not always easy to do. You get peer review comments, which is great, they help you often reflect on, make improvements, um, and the idea being is, if you have a paper that's in a peer-reviewed journal, it's had some degree of scrutiny to suggest that the quality is of a certain level. Doesn't always guarantee it. There's plenty of crap that's published, and plenty of very good stuff that maybe not easy. To, you know, doesn't easily get published. There's a lot of academics would say you need to really develop thick skin to keep resubmitting work in different journals because sometimes you might get it knocked away straight away saying, not appropriate for this journal, it may go out for a review, one or more reviewer may not like it, so it doesn't get published, it might make changes, that's all the process to try and get that work out there. And for many of you, if you've not been reading any academic journals, then of course, stuff you'll never read, because it's only the stuff that people might think that uh, is interesting enough to get it into the wider media, and there's plenty of scientific and another type of work that doesn't make it that far so that was adt so i had no intention when i set off from the house how many minutes ago but that's what i talk about in this particular episode or in this segment I haven't yet decided if it's going to be the whole one or just a segment um, what's going to happen in a few minutes i'm going to turn the corner the last minute of our road and let's see how long this has been so we've left at 8.55, it's now 9.12. So that's 17 minutes. So it's gonna be just less than 20 minutes, I think. So it's a 20 minute walk. Quite a nice little walk, walking at this pace. Because one walk we will consider doing after the summer is how many days we'll walk to school. So the school's not far from here. It's probably ever so slightly closer. So I think I could probably do that in about 15, 17 minutes. With Connie, mm, 25 minutes maybe. Uh, If she's got a scooter, if she's got a scooter, then it might be the same. Interesting stuff. So it's the last few minutes. I'm just going to do it all the way to the end, just uh, just so we can do the bitter end, as it were. Um, So, yeah, so hopefully there'll be a point which I can, can build on this story and say more about how autism development theory has been itself developing. Uh, over the course of this summer, I think Ruth will do final or further revisions to her paper, her manuscript. Um, I'd need to check to see if it's already on ResearchGate. I suspect it might not be. And if not, I hope she'll put something up there soon. Because that's a way of just sharing a, an unpublished manuscript, getting feedback on it. Uh, often in the process to seek publication. Because all this is about is putting your ideas out there getting feedback on it, getting reviews, people developing those ideas further, challenging them if they don't agree with them, extending them in ways that might be extended, perhaps doing research to assess the theory, because what Ruth's done is a thesis will include that theory being presented, then also some focus group data with families of people with autism to explore if they're gonna have a new focused, program to help them what might it look like what features would it be to what extent those ideas overlap with positive psychology and then also in the thesis Ruth has already developed a program started delivering it to small groups with a view of comparing people who've had this intervention versus people who haven't and seeing there's any evidence it seems to work So I turn the corner up to the house there's a minty and we're now in 19 and 30 seconds, 19 minutes, 30 seconds. So I'll say bye bye for now. You'll find out in a minute if that's the end of this episode or whether there's one more segment to follow. Bye bye for now. Hello, so it's just another final bit to this segment. Uh, As it turns out, it's at least a day later. It's another morning. I can't remember if it was just yesterday morning or the day before that I recorded that, that last one. Uh, I've got a feeling it's probably. Well, it's now Tuesday. I don't know if that one's on the Sunday, that one, or Monday. Again, early onset Alzheimer's. Um, so maybe we'll call this episode. I think the one reason why I wasn't just sure to publish one as it was that segment, is that. Do I say something more? So maybe. Here then, by by making some reference again to my own, I'm using the phrase early onset Alzheimer's, and that's pretty, well, we'll, we get to find out if that's actually me overly glib. I'm sure there's plenty of people out there who have been diagnosed with early onset Alzheimer's and you're saying, mate, you've got no idea. All you're talking about there is a mild forgetfulness. Um, And by early onset, 49, almost 50, is that early onset? I don't know what that would be. This is where I might need to start reading about something, reading a little bit about Alzheimer's and early onset Alzheimer's, um, because that's not something that uh, I've researched at all or even any PhD students of mine's researched. Having said that, there is a, a, a blossoming project over the next year or so, that's evolving not out of any academic context, uh, but with a friend. And again, if he listens to this, hopefully he gets the reference in relation, or well, he will get the relation to Alzheimer's and dementia, and whether or not there's actually some piece of work that we could develop that could say something about that. So more of that in in the distant future, or the near to distant future. But for now, just some final thoughts about Alzheimer's, and that's simply so that I know in my head can call this episode, From Autism to Alzheimer's. Because then it feels as though it has a bit of a name that covers both segments. Um, and in fact then, what I'm gonna do is make, make a bit more of an allusion, allusion to this project, which has been evolving over time, um, and without wanting to see too much about it, because it's still very much taking shape, Um, And I see this friend and colleague of mine taking the lead on it, and I'm supporting him, but the way in which we're developing these ideas and playing around with them, I see one aspect of it as being something that potentially, if developed a certain way, could be um, of, of value, of benefit for people with dementia, and I guess alongside that, Alzheimer's it may be benefit for people who are already diagnosed with such conditions uh, but also perhaps most importantly or equally importantly uh, for people like myself uh, or anybody but it might help stave off these might be exercises activities we can engage in which could be beneficial to help stave off The right wording would be um, slow down prevent even dementia and Alzheimer's. Big statement, I know, I realise that, which is why I'm being pretty cautious and cagey about it, but it's something I'd like to explore. It maybe also gives another sort of depth or aspect to this project I'm evolving with The Friend. So for now, we can allude to it on this um, podcast as uh, something relating to dementia, Alzheimer's, and I wouldn't say it's a treatment at all, it is an activity that might be beneficial in preventing or allaying or even minimising the impact of Alzheimer's and dementia. Okay, big claims there. You will get to find out if anything comes of that. And indeed, if it happens in the next year, you may hear about it on this podcast. And on that bombshell, I'll say thank you, goodbye, um, and see you on the next episode. Bye-bye for now.